Unwritten contains mature language, content, and themes. Please listen with care. On the morning of Gerald's inauguration day, two days after the protest where he fired Chelsea, Elaine sits across from Dr. Lemon in Lemon's office. From the very beginning, when all this started, even before it started, really, I kept everything inside. I didn't tell Chelsea what I was thinking, what I was doing. I didn't tell you either. Hints and innuendos, but nothing real. No names, no details. That's why I'm here. To tell you everything from the beginning. And to tell you what I'm planning to do. Elaine blinks hard and collects herself. Take your time, Elaine. We have the entire session. Gerald Wagner is a rapist. Yes, he dates Jan, and yes, some might find that creepy. But when he doesn't get what he wants through flirting, he coerces it. Sometimes he takes it by force. He raped Lita, my roommate, my friend. In investigating that, I found other women he's raped. One of them was my student. I wanted to expose him. I thought if I researched it, presented it academically and professionally, that he would go down. Pay for what he did. But I messed up. I ignored the advice and help of others. I arrogantly thought I could do this all on my own. I was wrong. He figured it out, baited me, and convinced you I was delusional. Dr. Lemon fidgets ever so slightly. He won. They even chose him as the next university president. Because he's charming, and he's powerful, and he ignores the indiscretions of others just as they ignore his. Have you contacted any other officials at the university? He runs the office where complaints are filed, and ultimately the university cares more about their reputation, their image, than whether women can safely have a crush on a teacher or date someone they find attractive. What about the police? Because rape allegations are so often taken to trial? Because a powerful and successful man can be harmed by accusations of sexual misconduct? I tried to forget about him. Chelsea and I buried ourselves in the hate crimes, then in my family history. Elaine blinks back tears, shakes her head to compose herself, and continues. But through everything, he's still there. A rapist, free in power, about to become the president later today. Or... At least he thinks he is. Elaine leans forward on her seat. But not today. This is not a day for celebration. This is not a day when a rapist becomes president. Today we're going to pit corruption against corruption. Self-interest versus self-interest. Today we resist. Here's what's going to happen. Got it all. It's just unwritten, not putting it off. Just trying to figure it out. If what I say comes to fruition with these words, I can't play around. Walking on a wire without a name, ending up alone. It hasn't happened yet. Sweet in the taste of what they're putting 
Dayton Writers Movement presents Unwritten, starring Luna Madison, Jordan Lopez, David Senator, and I'm Sean Gunther. Season 2, Episode 11, The End of Something. Written and directed by Chris Burnside. Also starring Adrian Miller, Norb Wessels, Hope Azell, Zach Duncan, Liz Rosevere, Amanda Schrader, and Emily Callenberg. Less than an hour after she was fired, Chelsea and Elaine are in Chelsea's apartment. Chelsea sits on the couch amid crumpled tissues, her knees drawn to her chest, compressed as small and tight as she can get. Her downcast face is red from crying. Elaine paces the room, moving slower as despondency eats away at her anger. That arrogant, power-mad narcissist! We have the freedom of assembly. If we want to protest his presidency, that is our right as students. As faculty and staff, as citizens, he thinks he can just saunter on through a rally decrying him like he runs the place. He does. He cannot just walk up and fire you for no reason. He can do that exact thing he literally just did. This is the last straw. There will be no more straws. Totally out of straws. I am not going to let him do this. Yes, Elaine. Yes, you are. It's over. I've known it since your thesis. I've been hanging on, pretending like it's making a difference, but he has always had the power. Even before he was chosen to be president. Men like him. The illusion that we can stop them one by one keeps us from seeing the truth. We lost when we were born. Don't say that. You cannot give up. I should have given up months ago. My Chelsea doesn't give in. She doesn't let anyone walk over her. She doesn't care what anyone else thinks. Is that what you think? My Chelsea is a fighter. Jesus, Elaine, what do you want from me? I want you to care. Why should I care anymore? Why do you still care? Chelsea finally looks up at Elaine, hopeful for her answer. It's the principle of it all. He does not get to end things like this. That's it? Yes! I mean, mostly yes. I suppose, I mean, I mean, I, I guess I also just feel bad. Because this is really my fault. Oh, right. I organized the anti-Gerald rally and the anti-hate crime rally. Even with my thesis, you were guilty by association with me. Things were going really well for you before that. All of this is my fault. I got you involved with my crusade, and you were the one who paid for it. Your crusade? Because only you care about a rapist targeting students. Only you care about standing up to hate? I didn't mean it like that. I was just the one who started what led to this. I never considered how it would affect you. Chelsea uncurls and sits up straight. Okay, Elaine. We need... I need to talk to you. Not with you. To you. I need to say things and I need you to listen. Quietly. Elaine stops pacing and turns to Chelsea. She starts to open her mouth but stops when she sees the seriousness in Chelsea's eyes. Chelsea motions to the chair across from her. Elaine sits. Okay, this is happening. I always thought I'd have at least a mild buzz before. Chelsea looks at the refrigerator before shaking her head and turning back to Elaine. I guess I should start with... Fuck, this is hard. It sounds like you're going to break up with me. This is serious. Sorry, nervous humor. Elaine, I love you. You know this? I always love you. You're scaring me, Chels. But things are not okay. 
Not for a long time. Dr. Lemon says it's codependency. Dr. Lemon? You talked with my therapist about me? Your crusade. Your therapist. This is exactly the point. You changed a lot over the summer, Lainey, and I'm really proud of you. You're more open to other people, to their ideas, to their help. But with me, it's like we're still the same people we were before. You treat me like you always have. Like you're the center of our relationship. What? No, Chelsea. I know I was self-absorbed before, but I've been working on that. I don't subordinate you. I saved your- You better be about to say you saved me a slice of pizza. Because if you say you saved my life during a conversation where I'm trying to point out an imbalance in our relationship, I will bitch slap you right off that chair. Elaine's eyes grow wide. She doesn't even object to the problematic use of bitch slap. Dr. Lemon was my therapist before she was yours. I recommended her to you, remember? And it was my crusade for gay rights that got you involved. Do you remember what you said when I came out to you in the eighth grade? And keep in mind, you were the first person I told, like, ever. You said, and I quote, because this will be forever burned into my mind, I don't know how I feel about that. After I told you how hard it was to admit, how much I had struggled and your reaction was about how you felt. And later when you said you were cool with it, you wanted me to be happy for you, for your acceptance of me. Hell, you didn't even care about gender until I asked you in high school why you thought girls can call each other girlfriend, but boys can't call each other boyfriend. Chelsea, you don't- I love you, Lainey. I love you so much that I overlook a lot. I know you need your space, and I know you're particular, and I know that you'll probably never care about me like I care about you. And on some level, I can deal with that. You're the only person like you. And not that everyone's a unique snowflake bullshit. <laughs> you really are special. One in a million. A billion, even. There aren't a trillion people, are there? Seven billion or so? And you're brilliant. So brilliant. If I were as brilliant as you, I'd never leave my head. So most of the time, I consider it a privilege just to get a smile from you. An acknowledgement that I might matter at all. I know I'll never be as incredible and special as you, but maybe, sometimes, you can try to give me a little credit. I know part of it is my fault. I'm the enabler here, and I let you treat me like you matter more, because I honestly do think that you matter more. You said I don't let anyone walk over me, but I let you. And that imbalance, I'll never be on your level, but maybe I'm not so far beneath you either. Elaine stares at Chelsea. Her eyes well with tears. Chelsea is on the verge of tears herself. I think I'm done. No, wait, I love you and I need you. Now I'm done. Chelsea wipes her eyes with her hands. Elaine continues to stare. Oh God, Lainey, please say something. Elaine just stares. I mean, in my mind these last few months, I always imagined that after I talked to you that you'd sweep me into your arms and we'd hug for like ten whole seconds, which would be a record for us unless you count that one time when- I want you to know that I recognize this would be the perfect time to run over and hug you. I'm not going to because I'm almost broken right now. But I want you to know that I thought about it. I'll take it. You wanted to say that for months? Well- Sort of. I mean, over the summer, I mostly just wanted to say anything to you. I'd have imaginary laning conversations where I'd tell you all about my days. We talked so much over the summer. I wish you'd known. I think I know pretty well, actually. 
Tears unapologetically roll down Elaine's cheeks. You wanted to say that to me for months. That's bullshit, though. I've taken advantage of your kindness and support and love for years. I tell myself that I'm not capable of returning it, and maybe that's somewhat true, but it's also an excuse. You should have told me years ago. I should have realized without you even needing to tell me. I've been so focused on treating everyone else better that I overlooked the most important person. Maybe because you're not just an else. You're... I don't know. You're my Chelsea. I am. Chelsea starts to reach out her hand toward Elaine, but Elaine stands from the chair and starts pacing again. Chelsea lowers her hand. God, Chelsea, I'm so sorry. For not valuing you. For not acknowledging you. We're a team, equal partners. I'm so sorry. You are independent and make your own decisions on what you do and care about. You earned getting fired all on your own. Um, yeah. I'm sorry I let you down. Like I let Leah down. Because I'm so self-absorbed. I don't even know what I'm doing back here. Working in stupid retail and finishing the stupid degree with the stupid school where the stupid president fired one friend and raped the other. I should go. One, thank you for hearing everything I said until the end with minimal interruption. Two, you missed the part at the end where I love you and need you. You're not going anywhere. I'm having all the feels right now, so maybe that's to blame, but I've never cared more. About Gerald, about injustice, you were right. We can't give up. We still have work to do. What work? You just got fired. And Gerald will be inaugurated in two days. Not if we stop him. I want to say that this is justice for Lita or to protect students or as revenge for firing me. You know what? Fuck that guy. I just want to watch him burn, painfully, publicly, because fuck that guy. I don't know, Chels. Maybe you were right before. We already tried to stop him. And look what happened. He got me committed and you fired. He can still find ways to hurt us. Of course he can. But I think you're missing the fuck that guy portion of my reasoning. No, no, I, I heard that part, but... But fuck that guy. That's really the whole reasoning. Like, all of it. I don't have any more reasoning. And, Elaine, you know what else? Fuck that guy? Exactly. Okay, so how do we... F Can we use more appropriate terminology? Nope. Fuck that guy. Chelsea. I'll just keep saying it. How do we stop him? No idea. My plan started and stopped with fuck that guy. We will need something big. Something bigger than the two of us. We need help. Sarah? Devin? Maybe August Andrea could help? You know what? I have an idea. Chelsea holds up her keys. I have to go clean out my office. And by office, I mean all the files, reports, Title IX stuff. Everything Gerald has ignored as favors. To other creeps. To university PR. I just need to get in there somehow. He'll have Sydney babysitting me. How will you do it? Not sure yet. But this is bigger than him. You're right that we can't take him down alone. And unless we get August and Drea to passive-aggressive him to death, we need bigger allies. So let's turn the corrupt institution against the corrupt figurehead. Let them do it for us. You know why? Because <laughs> fuck that guy. Fuck that guy. Elaine gives Chelsea a big smile. Chelsea stands up. Maybe I could get that hug? Fine, but five seconds, tops. It's a start.
Hey, Elaine. Come on in. Devin steps back to admit Elaine into his apartment. She smiles and enters, looking around at the Spartan furnishings. Welcome to Casa Devin. Want to sit down? He waves toward a small kitchen table. Elaine takes a seat and folds her hands in her lap. You want something to drink? Um, yes, that sounds nice. Devin opens up the refrigerator. I have off-brand cola, off-brand cherry cola, off-brand Dr. Zinger. Do they have high fructose corn syrup? I try to avoid that. Hang on. Oh, yeah. This one even says, now with extra high fructose corn syrup? Oh, it's circled in everything. Wow, is that embossed on the can? Maybe just some water. Sure thing. So, what was so important yet secretive that you couldn't bring it up at work, but needed to discuss in person? Because I know how much you love talking in person. Well, I'd like to have some help with a project. Are we making a diorama? It's more serious than that. Devin opens up a cabinet to take out a glass. Ooh, are we robbing a casino? No. A bank? We're not robbing any- Elaine looks into the cabinet before Devin closes it, and sees rows upon unopened rows of applesauce cups stacked behind the glasses. Are you serious? No, of course we wouldn't rob a bank. Maybe like a cash advance place. The applesauce. You're seriously the one who's been stealing Chuck's applesauce? Oh yeah, every day for months. You didn't know? How would I know that? I have literally told him to his face. In your presence. Nearly every time he asks who took it? Yes, but you're never serious about anything else. So why would any of us believe you? Devin shrugs and pours water into the glass for Elaine. But why save them all? You're not even eating them. Oh. <laughs> See, once I have a hundred of them, I'm going to put them all in the break room fridge and act like they've been there the entire time. <laughs> you are an evil genius. Devin bows and sets the glass of water on the table. So, what do you need from me? My evil genius skills or just my tech skills? Maybe a bit of both. Later that day, Elaine, Chelsea, and Sarah are in Chelsea's apartment. Elaine lies across the couch writing a blog article. Chelsea and Sarah are on the floor crafting large signs and placards. Dinah roams between them. The signs have a variety of messages, from not my president, to Jerry is scary. Some have large printouts of Lita's acrobat painting on them, alongside the message, remember Lita. Sarah glues down another acrobat print, while Chelsea colors in letters. She has a marker in each hand and one between her teeth. Elaine pauses in her typing and looks over at Chelsea and Sarah. Do you think the audience is going to get rapist fatigue from reading this? I've written rape or rapist 41 times. I don't want to desensitize them. Sparse. What? He looks sparse. I think she's saying sparse. I agree. Use it sparingly. That might maintain the impact. Chelsea nods and keeps coloring. Elaine turns back to her laptop and types a bit more. What about this line? Gerald Wagner is a wolf dressed not as a sheep, but as the shepherd himself. Holy fuck, Elaine. She said holy- Yeah, I, I got that one. I assume that means you liked it? Chelsea gives a thumbs up and a wink, without stopping coloring. Elaine nods and uploads the post to her blog. There. It's posted. Everything's in there about the protest? 
Yes. Inauguration day, one hour before the ceremony, and going until nightfall. Then a candlelight walk in honor of all the survivors. I also wrote about Lita. Now when anyone sees the acrobat, they'll think of Gerald. Madison Kepler already said that she'd share it, and even mentioned it on the news. Thank you for organizing this, Elaine. I'm sure Lita would appreciate it. Actually, she would hate this attention. But this will be part of her legacy. I just want to see his face when he looks out and sees an ocean of acrobats in the hands of angry women, using his own tattoo against him. I wish I could be there. I'd ask you to take a picture, but I never want to see his face again, three-dimensional or otherwise. Of course we'll miss you at the protest. But what you're doing is so important, Sarah. And brave. You're sure? It was my idea, remember? No one's making me do this. I just wish I could be at the protest, too. And I wish I were half as strong as you. You're a warrior. I'm an Amazon. Chelsea high-fives Sarah without letting go of the marker. Elaine smiles. (laughs) I... I kind of wish it didn't take something like this to bring us all together. So keep vlogging. Elaine squints. Sarah shrugs. Chelsea spits the marker out. So keep blogging. You brought the campus together to stand against hate. You brought them together to stand against rapist president, and you're doing it again tomorrow. Keep writing. You have everyone's ears across campus. Don't lose momentum. Yes, but let's hope that the next big issue is a little smaller than this. Like outrage over parking or public outcry if they take that chicken finger wrap out of the cafeteria. They're taking away the chicken finger wrap? No, that was just an example. Okay, don't even joke about that. The chicken finger wrap is my jam. I would march for that. I would protest the shit out of that. Chelsea, that's hard. No, we do not joke about the chicken finger wrap. Be honest, Sarah. You'd march to bring back the chicken finger wrap. I have eaten far too many of them to argue with you. Exactly. Elaine, start writing about the chicken finger wrap. Chelsea, they're not even taking it off the menu. Just in case. Either that or grab some stencils and help us. I think we should have a bunch that just say, fuck that guy. I'm not sure that's really... When she starts on the fuck that guy train, it's just best to get on board. That evening, Elaine is at August's apartment. She sits rigidly on one end of the couch doing a crossword puzzle and trying to avoid any movement or sound that might provoke conversation. August sits cross-legged on the floor. He looks around the room in the manner of someone trying to look casual and failing miserably. After a few minutes of awkward ignoring, August coughs. Another minute later, he sighs. Shortly after, a brief whistle of the Wrath of Olympus II theme song. Through it all, Elaine never flinches or looks up. Finally, August stretches his arms and yawns. <sighs> so, um, when are we getting underway? Elaine doesn't look up. Devin should be here any minute. Cool. Uh, nothing we can start on before he gets here? Nope. Coolio. Very coolio. I don't mind waiting. It's all good. Mm-hmm. So, you're sure this is going to work? I, I mean, I'm not saying it won't. I, I bet it will, but do you... Do you think? Elaine finally lowers her puzzle and looks at August. I don't know. I'm not exactly known for my optimism. That's true. 
Remember that time when I thought a fun date would be for us to... Elaine immediately looks away. August trails off, quickly realizing how much more awkward he's made things. He looks like, if he were able, he would trigger his own aneurysm. Uh, so, uh, wh where's Devin? Hopefully about to knock on the door. Yeah. They both wait in anticipation. No one knocks. I hate you, Devin. What, what's that? I was asking how Drea's doing. Great. Drea's so great. She's great. She's been stressed about the wedding, so she postponed it again. But the venue said we couldn't push it back a fourth time, so it's definitely December 9th, which is great. Drea's great. I hope everything goes perfectly. I'm sure it will. I want you two to be happy. Yeah, me too. I mean, I want you to be happy too. And I'd also like to be happy. That'd, that'd be cool. I'm never really... Actually, as horrible as this past year has been, I'm surprisingly content. I used to think that I just wanted books and solitude. But having something to fight for is shockingly inspiring. Now I think I just want books and solitude 90% of the time. <laughs> hey, whatever works. You sure you actually want to take down Gerald? Who would be your nemesis then? Uh, the patriarchy? Well, yeah, I mean, other than them. Elaine smiles and looks away. She gathers herself and turns back to August. August, something we talked a lot about in the center was forgiveness. How to forgive people. But that goes both ways, and I've been avoiding you lately. I'm sure you noticed. What? It's hard to apologize, to ask for forgiveness. So I avoid. But I need to just say it. I'm really sorry, August, for how I treated you for the last two years. Don't apologize. You clearly weren't in the same place I was. Didn't want the same things from a relationship. I knew it, but I still expected you to change, to see it like I did. That was unfair. But I totally led you on. I should have just told you. Are you kidding? You did tell me. You told me every time you ditched me, ignored me, double booked me. You literally broke up with me three different ways, and I guilted you into a date two weeks later. You didn't friend zone me. I knew the entire time how it was for you, and I didn't respect that. Elaine is shocked by his openness. Also, the entire concept of friend zoning is a bullshit excuse to shame women for not having sex with any guy who is nice to them. I read that on someone's blog. Elaine smiles and wipes away a tear. Someone is you. <laughs> I picked up on that. Cool. Figured. Just checking. Thank you, August. I always have your back, Harper. Can you tell me how the rest of this is going to go down? Because I just want to punch Gerald right in the throat for some reason. Is the reason that he's a rapist? That is definitely factored in. Devin's here. Time to get to work. Sydney sits alone at a bar at a local restaurant. A half-eaten plate of celery and hummus sits in front of her. She slowly nurses a Red Bull vodka. Drea walks up to the bar and sits on the stool beside Sydney. Drinking alone, huh? Waiting for someone. Uh-huh. Rough day. Sure. Me too. My fiancé has his ex over at his place right now. Wow. Well, in the bad day competition, you win. I don't know, Sydney. You work for a rapist. Excuse me? Who are you? 
Never mind. I know who you are, and I need your help. I want Elaine Harper out of your school, out of this town, out of my life, our life. She's planning to interrupt the inauguration. If I tell you what she's up to, you think you can help me with the whole getting rid of her? The next morning, Elaine sits across from Dr. Lemon in Lemon's office. She just finished explaining what she's planning to do. Dr. Lemon looks at her, wide-eyed. That's rather elaborate. Not as much as it sounds. Gerald and the board will do most of the work. It also borders on unethical. I know. We're trying to be respectful of people's privacy. You do realize how risky this is. You were just readmitted to the university. He could have you expelled. I'm past that. After he fired Chelsea, I realized I don't even care about this school. I can finish somewhere else. Maybe online. There's something appealing about deconstructing Victorian literature in a bathrobe. You seem quite calm. I'm about to jump out of my skin. How do I keep my cool so it doesn't go like the last time I confronted him? I've never seen you so determined, so confident. If you're anxious, you're hiding it well. Here's a practice. I never feel normal, but my goal is that nobody else knows that. Why do you think that is? Why worry so much about the feelings of others? Oh, I don't know. But if people saw how anxious or depressed I get, they'd probably want to talk to me about it. Which would mean talking in general. Not really something I seek out. Not even from those close to you? Don't you like talking with Chelsea? It's... It's also about being special. Not sharing the real me is like keeping the secret of me. I'm the only one who gets to know me. Do you find that lonely? Not really. I like the quiet. Why do you think that the aspects of ourselves that we consider real are the negative ones? When you say, the real me, why is it that anxiety and depression are real and seeming normal is fake? That's... That's actually a really good question. Maybe that's something to think about for next time. Assuming I'm not expelled and barred from campus grounds? Let's plan for you still being here next week. If that's okay with you. I know you haven't been coming to see me regularly, so it doesn't actually need to be next week. We can schedule it for whenever you might- Next week sounds lovely, Dr. Lemon. Dr. Lemon smiles softly. I'm very proud of you, Elaine. You've come very far in the short time I've known you. Elaine blushes and looks away. That isn't an endorsement of what you're planning, mind you. I would never encourage you to openly defy the incoming president or the university that employs me. On a completely separate note, rapists are criminals who destroy lives and should be held accountable. A completely separate note. Nothing to do with today's events. Elaine grins. <laughs> I'll see you next week, Dr. Lemon. Across campus, Chelsea steps into the room that had been her office just two days before. She's in the middle of leaving Elaine a second voicemail after her first one timed out. Ugh, Sandra. You know Sandra, the receptionist. She was just like all... Oh, Chelsea, so sorry to see you go. But her attitude was all, don't cross powerful men, honey. Like, you work for a rapist, but do you have to drink the rape culture Kool-Aid? I guess I need to clean out my office now. This is going to be so hard. 
Not because I'm emotionally invested in this shit, but because there's so much of it. Maybe I should just throw it away. You know how Gerald does that thing where he walks around and looks at everything on the walls and has to touch and adjust all of it? It's probably a biohazard now. How did it take me so long to notice a dude like that is a creep? Here, let me finger your posters like... Oh, shit. Chelsea holds her phone away from her ear and looks at it. Why aren't you available at all times I want to talk to you, Elaine? Chelsea rests her phone on the desk and starts looking around the room, studying her posters, books, and other decorations. She moves to a poster of Frankie Goes to Hollywood's reunion tour and carefully unpins it from the wall. She's rolling it when, from behind her, Hello, Miss Wu. Sydney enters the office. Chelsea rolls her eyes and continues to pack up. I've always liked this office. I would have been more focused with the decor, but your eclectic style is still super cute. I'm sorry I didn't consult you on my choice of posters, Sydney. Oh, that's fine. I mean, it's not like I'll ask you how to decorate it. Is this your subtle way to tell me you think you're taking over this office? Jerry thinks I'm a good candidate for your position. We wouldn't make it official right away, of course. But there's no sense in letting the office go to waste. Well, you know what? Good for you, Sydney. Huh. I guess I thought you'd be... What? Upset? Did you think you'd hurt my feelings? Aw, Sydney. That would mean that I would need to care about you, or Gerald, or this school. But all of you can go fuck yourselves in a giant masturbatory orgy. I couldn't care less. Sydney looks genuinely disappointed at Chelsea's defiance. Actually, that's not even true. I would totally care if you all fucked yourselves in a giant masturbatory orgy. That'd be awesome. How do we make that happen? Sydney makes a show of ignoring Chelsea and studying the room. I bet this room has good feng shui. Not that I would know. I'm sure you would. <laughs> that's a race thing, right? <laughs> Look at you with all your sneaky bigotry. You know, you have a lot to learn about passive aggression from your boss, Sydney. It's been really fun talking to you, Miss Wu. I'm so sorry to see you go. I'm sure Jerry is, too. Have a nice time packing. Uh, nah, see, that was way fucking obvious. Bye, Miss Wu. Hey, Sydney. Just remember that every woman he raped called him Jerry. Sydney stops in the doorway and turns around. She stares daggers at Chelsea. Oh. Miss Wu, I almost forgot to tell you. You can spend all the time you like in the file room. I had facilities come in first thing to move all the Title IX files. They just aren't safe in there, you know. All sorts of people have keys to that room. You never know who might intend to make off with those private files. Can't be too careful. Sydney smirks and saunters out. Chelsea narrows her eyes and watches the insufferable T.A. leave. Later that day, just hours before the inauguration, Elaine, Chelsea, August, and Devon are organizing signs at Chelsea's apartment. Devon admires a placard that simply reads, If she were asking for it, why didn't you? In black capital letters. Damn. I think I'm starting to understand male privilege. August holds up a sign that reads, don't fucking touch me. I like this one. Sarah made that one. Have you heard from her? Not yet. I assume she's already there. What about anyone else? Drea? Lincoln? I haven't heard from Drea since last night, but I'm sure she'll meet us there. 
I didn't contact Lincoln. She was reluctant about the last protest. I don't know that we'll get any faculty involvement. They're missing out. When they see it on TV, they'll be so jelly. We're talking grape jelly. You ever notice how only kids eat grape jelly? Fuck you, I still love grape jelly. She puts it on her chicken finger wrap. So many parts of that image are very, very wrong. Dude, the chicken finger wrap is the most popular thing in the cafeteria. They deep fry the fingers, then they deep fry the whole wrap. It's a little too much for me. So, what kind of degree do you need to work at a college cafeteria and create a chicken finger wrap? Uh, a degree in awesome with a minor in fucking delicious? Elaine looks down at the text she just received. Chelsea continues her chicken finger rant. How is it that the two 20-something bachelors are arguing with the lesbian about eating healthy? Are lesbians universally known for their healthy eating habits? Uh, apparently not the ones eating double fried chicken fingers. They are like fireworks in my mouth! Elaine touches Chelsea's shoulder softly. Chelsea immediately calms and turns to her, expectantly. It's Sarah. Did she already file the report? That was fast. No, she just got there. She's in the parking lot, having an anxiety attack. Oh no. Elaine looks at the stack of signs, then back at her phone. I have to go. The protest starts in 15 minutes. Your protest. It's not just about me. But what about Gerald? You're kind of a big part of the plan. I... Elaine looks at Chelsea. They lock eyes. Chelsea nods. We got this. Take my car. Thank you, Chelsea. Elaine lightly squeezes Chelsea's hands before running out the door. Chelsea blinks hard, then turns to August and Devin. Okay, let's load your cars with these signs and fuck up a rapist's inauguration. In the parking lot of the police station, Elaine sits with Sarah in Sarah's car. They're both looking quietly at the station. I'm sorry. For what? I wanted to do this. I thought I could. This is your decision. I'm not here to guilt you. And I'm not here to support you reporting him. I'm here to support you. Full stop. Whatever you want to do. So much for being a warrior. Elaine turns to look at Sarah. You are 19 years old in your second year of college. You should be worrying about organic chemistry tests and rushing a sorority. You should not need to worry about reporting a school official for assaulting you. What happened to you says nothing about you. He did this. You're a warrior every day you spend as a survivor. Every day. Thank you. I really admire you, Sarah. They sit quietly for another minute. You really think I would rush a sorority? I don't know. I don't think like normal people. I sometimes try to find normal, relatable examples for normal people. Sororities aren't for normal people. (laughs) (sighs) I'm going in. Okay. I'm here for you. No, you need to get to the inauguration. Get him out of that school. I got this. Amazon, remember? Are you sure? Yes. But thank you for coming. It means a lot. And Elaine, please destroy him. Elaine pats her purse. He's going to destroy himself. Elaine sprints from the parking lot toward the courtyard where the inauguration is scheduled to start in less than ten minutes. As she turns a corner and comes in view of the courtyard... She slows to a stop. She stares, stunned, at the massive crowd in front of her. Thousands of people stand, march, and shout in the courtyard. 
Hundreds of signs wave through the air, some of them depicting the acrobat. Powerful phrases decorate the courtyard. My 30,000 doesn't pay for your creepy advances. Your image isn't more important than my safety. While many of the protesters are students, Elaine sees people of all ages from the surrounding community. At the front of the protest, near the news media gathered at the steps of the building where the inauguration will take place, Elaine sees Lincoln and a group of other faculty. Lincoln holds up a sign that simply reads, Resign. Elaine shakes off the shock and continues forward, weaving through the crowd to the front. As she reaches the news media filming the crowd, Chelsea bursts out of the throng of professors and runs to Elaine's side. Lainey! How's Sarah? Stronger than I'll ever be. It hasn't started? Soon. You still have time. I need to get inside. Go. You can do this. Elaine pushes past the cameras and reporters and starts up the stairs to the building where Gerald waits for the ceremony to begin. A campus police officer stops her as she approaches the door. I need to go inside. He's about to speak when the door swings open. Sydney flashes Elaine a sickeningly sweet smile. Hi, Elaine. Jerry wants to see you. The officer steps aside and admits Elaine, who follows Sydney inside. They enter an office being used as a green room before the ceremony. Inside, Gerald talks with a student wearing a headset who is pinning a lapel microphone to his impeccably tailored jacket. The student leaves as Sydney and Elaine enter. Sydney shuts the door afterward. Gerald takes his time adjusting his tie before turning to regard Elaine. Hello, Miss Harper. Nice of you to join us. I thought you might like a front row seat. You're far too special to be stuck out in my crowd. Your crowd? Have you read the signs they're waving out there? You know, the turnout for an inauguration at this university has never been so big. I think that says something about me, don't you? Oh, it says something about you, all right. Now don't be sarcastic. It says you're a rapist. Are you still pushing that rhetoric? I thought we were past this. Why don't you gloat some more about how you raped Lita? Or Sarah? Miss Harper, I'm not sure what you expect me to say to that. There are hundreds of signs out there calling you a rapist. You don't have a response to them? Gerald shrugs. What? Are you pretending you didn't even have relationships with them? Gerald grins and nods to Sydney. Sydney lunges forward and lifts Elaine's shirt, revealing a small microphone taped to her bra. Hey! Sydney rips the microphone off as Elaine tugs her shirt back down and flushes with anger and embarrassment. Sydney switches off the microphone and throws it in the trash can. And the other one. Give me your phone. Elaine grips her purse tighter. Sydney grabs it. Elaine pulls back and they struggle over it, each pulling on a strap. Get off of me! Give it! Sydney rips the purse from Elaine's grip and takes out her phone. It's recording. Sydney turns off the app and the phone before putting both phone and purse on the desk. Elaine looks from the trash can to her phone in horror. <laughs> oh, Elaine. I know all about your little scheme. The backup recorder was particularly clever. But your friend betrayed you, you see. You should really keep better company. Of course, if you weren't so unstable, you wouldn't be in this mess. You wouldn't catch me on tape admitting to being a rapist because I'm not a rapist. These delusions are really becoming a problem. Should we see if your center still has an empty bed for you? Gerald steps closer, looming over Elaine. 
She shrinks away, and he backs her against the wall. That's quite a body you've constantly hide under those shapeless clothes. I always like the shy ones best. It's a shame you're such a crazy bitch. Gerald leers down at Elaine. She tries to make herself as small as possible and looks at the door, blocked by Sidney. Really, what did you hope to accomplish? You think one girl is really going to stop an inauguration? It's been planned for months. He even gets a choir. They will literally be singing his praises. That's right. You make me sick. What was that, little bird? You make me sick. That's funny. So many of your friends seem to like me. Elaine stands tall, backing Gerald away without touching him. Her eyes fill with angry tears. You might always find a way to win, Gerald. You might discredit me, commit me, figure out my plans. Maybe one person can't stop all this alone. But you do not get to talk about my friends. You destroyed Lita. You tried to destroy Sarah. She's talking to the police about you right now. We don't need a recording of you. That's a shame. Sarah had a bright future, but it's her word against mine. It's not like anyone else was there that night to see how much she wanted it. You're a monster. I'm a monster? Why? Because I'm charming? Handsome? Because you're a rapist. Is it my fault that I appeal so much to the young women of this fine institution? It's your fault that you're a rapist. I have never raped anyone. I have only had consensual relationships. With students! That's your argument, that I've dated students, had consensual sex with students. Do you have any idea how many professors and administrators here have had sex with students? Dozens of them. Hundreds. Over the years. Thousands, if you include other schools. What do you think my job overseeing Title IX is for? To hide rapists. We, they, are not rapists. These students are consenting adults. So why hide it? It's not hidden. It's just not being advertised. Need to make sure the school always looks good, no matter what. Hate crimes become random assaults. Rapes become misunderstandings. I determine which cases are real and which ones are malicious attempts to get back at hard-working employees who broke some girl's heart. You don't get to decide that. Oh, but I do. That's my job. Or at least it was. Now I'm in charge of everything else, too. You best remember that. I know you want to finish school. Wouldn't want to end up like someone else who crossed me. Jerry, we should get going. It's nearly time. Gerald steps back and adjusts his tie again. Thank you, Sydney. See, Elaine? This is what it's like to have a friend watch your back instead of betraying you or jumping off your balcony. Friends. You were right, Gerald. One person can't stop you alone. That's a mistake I made in the spring. So let me introduce you to some of my friends. I think you already know Chelsea. At Elaine's mention of Chelsea, the television in the office turns on, showing a local news reporter talking to Chelsea just outside. Yes, Dean Wagner had information about the attacker for months. He did nothing about it, all just so he could milk the vandalism for publicity. And after the crimes escalated, he covered up his prior knowledge so he couldn't be blamed for not stopping it earlier. Just days after I found this out, he fired me without cause. Gerald stares at the television, stunned. And I'd like you to meet Devin. The office door opens, and Devin walks in. He's wearing a headset and dressed as a student employee, the same one who pinned Gerald's microphone. 
He has the television remote control in his hand. Hi, Sydney. Hi, Jer Bear. How's it going, Elaine? Just kidding. I already know. Devin taps his headset. Heard everything. Gerald looks from the television to Devin to Elaine. What's going on? Who is this? This is Devin. Try to keep up. That you were the one who... Gerald looks down at his lapel mic. Now you're getting it. Both the other mics were the decoys. How's that for clever? The one on you was live. To the speakers out front. You know, the ones playing to the reporters. Like, the entire crowd, really. They heard everything. Gerald rips the microphone from his jacket and hurls it across the room. Yeah, it's still on. My other friend should be here any second. On cue, August and Drea rush into the room. The board is coming, like all of them. They heard everything. Sydney stares at August and Drea. Her mouth drops open. I know both of you. These are my other friends, August and Drea. Hi, Sydney. I'm the bitch who tricked you into having facilities move the files. Sorry for saying bitch, Elaine. And I'm the bitch from facilities who you gave the files to. Also, sorry, Elaine. Files? What? Files! Gerald glares at Sydney, genuinely fearful. All the records you've kept on sexual assaults that you've swept under the rug. You know, because it was your job. August and I redacted all the names in them and uploaded them to all the faculty and the board and all the local news stations and national ones, local churches, the Pope, Sydney's mom. Devin shoots finger guns at Sydney. Pew, pew! God damn it, Sydney! I'm sorry, I didn't think. Shocker. How dare you? All of you. I'll expel all of you. Dude, I don't even go here. Listen, Jerry. Can I call you Jerry? You think you've actually accomplished something here? You think this changes anything? <sighs> Let's go, everybody. I just can't deal with men when they're being all emotional. Elaine takes her purse and phone from the desk. Gerald takes a step toward her. Before he can take another, Devin shakes his head and crosses his arms. The friends leave the office, passing members of the board. From behind them, they hear the board members shouting at Gerald. Hey, who's hungry? Oh, dude, I am starving. Do you know how many boxes of files I had to move? I'll give you a massage later, baby. I'm really glad our friendship has deepened to where you can just imply sex right in front of me. Elaine checks her phone and sees a text from Sarah. Talk to the first detective. I'm waiting to meet another who specializes in sexual assault. Elaine smiles and texts her back. Right on Amazon. Hey, while I was waiting for Gerald to incriminate himself, I saw them setting up a nice buffet in the ballroom. I don't think anyone will be eating it after that. So... You are speaking my language. Anyone talking about food is speaking your language. Yes, and he was talking about food. You're very consistent. I'm going to go find Chelsea. I'll make you a plate from the food we steal from the rapist. Elaine walks outside and sees a crowd in an uproar. People are screaming. The reporters frenzy, frantically trying to interview faculty, students, and administrators. One of them is holding a microphone out for Professor Lincoln. As she talks into it, Lincoln sees Elaine and smiles to her. As Elaine walks down the steps toward the crowd, Chelsea disengages from the reporters, drops her sign, and runs up the stairs with her arms outstretched. Elaine smiles. <laughs> Elaine relaxes alone in Chelsea's apartment. She's watching the muted television, reading the captions. 
a reporter on the national news station speaks with a member of the board who flatly denounces Gerald. He says that Gerald Wagner's views do not in any way represent the universities or how they feel about reputation and student safety. Elaine shakes her head, turns the television off, and looks over at Lita, sitting on the other end of the couch. Well, that went way better than your thesis presentation. Elaine grins. She looks at Lita's cheetah print leggings, yellow sneakers, red lipstick, and Halloween Isle angel wings. <laughs> I like the outfit. Fashion is a canvas. What's your artist statement for this particular piece? Well, first, as you can see, I chose cheetah print. Because we're all animals, obviously. Sneakers, because I'm practical. Heels are for people who sit. Yellow, I like to walk on sunshine. Elaine raises an eyebrow. Don't give me that face. Elaine shakes her head. People change, okay? Well, now you've distracted me. <laughs> the lipstick? Red. Because red means stop. And these lips are mine. Oh, and angel wings, because I'm dead, remember? I can never not remember. Don't get all nostalgic and sentimental on me. Elaine picks at a frayed patch on her blanket. It's weird. Me being dead? No. Well, yes, that too. But I meant Gerald. Finally exposed. Because you don't feel relieved. I should. Who cares about shoulds? Shoulds distract from realities. What do you feel? Like I lost something else. We need to get you some yellow shoes. What's wrong with me? Nothing. It's normal what you're feeling. Gerald was your connection to me. Fighting against him gave you a direction. Or did it give me a distraction? From what? From properly mourning? Everything you did was a process of mourning. But now I'm not sure what direction is next. Forward. I'm scared I'll start forgetting you. Don't be stupid. Well, I know I won't forget, per se, but... Elaine, look at me. Elaine looks at Lita. Pesky tears invade her eyes. Let the way I ended go. It's okay if you start remembering me only with distance and nostalgia. And love. Let the anger and the confusion go. I don't want to be remembered that way anyway. Lita lights a cigarette. Elaine scrunches her nose. You can't make the smoking kills argument if I'm already dead. Lita takes a drag, then points her lips toward the ceiling to blow out the smoke. Eyes aglow, she looks back toward Elaine. I want you to remember my stupid attempts at artistic outfits, and how I always left the cabinets open in the kitchen, and how annoyed that made you, and how you never said anything about it. Just close the cabinets behind me. You knew that annoyed me? You occasionally slammed the cabinets behind me. I'm not the best at articulating conflict. And remember that night we listened to Pink Floyd and ate ice cream and collaged dream boards like weirdos? Wow, that feels like another life. Didn't you cut out a picture of an elephant? I always romanticize the idea of running away with the circus. You are so strange. Why, thank you. Or, I guess you were. You were so strange. I'm coming in, Lainey. Hope you're decent. Chelsea enters, carrying a bag of Chinese takeout. Elaine looks over at Chelsea. Lita is gone, but the smoke still lingers. 
As if I'd be sitting in your living room naked. Hey, you never know. I wear a bathing suit in public showers. Chelsea puts the bag on the coffee table. You kicked so much ass today. So did you. And Sarah. We all did. We fucked that guy. Chelsea, that sounds even worse in the past tense. Okay, okay, that was the last time I ever talk about fucking a guy. See, you think you're being funny. I'm a goddamn comedian. (laughs) But it made the national news. Turn on the TV, see if they're still talking about it. Nah, I'm done listening to them interview the board, pinning everything on Gerald. Like, they aren't complicit. And rather than acknowledge their own corruption, they just sold him out. Preach, sister. To that end, we still have a lot of work to do. Yeah, Gerald is just the tip of the proverbial rapist iceberg. The university said they are spinning off the Title IX office to be autonomous, so someone like him can't abuse that power anymore. You should apply for it. (laughs) Wouldn't that be ironic? It would be appropriate. And after that interview you gave, I think the school would give you anything to keep you from suing them. Good point. Like I said, we still have a lot of work to do. Yes, we do. But tonight, we celebrate with highly Americanized and somewhat culturally insensitive Chinese food. I'm surprised you didn't get chicken finger wraps. Cafeterio's closed. Chelsea unpacks the food from the bag. You know you're the best, right? I do. How much do you love me? On the mild, hot, fire sauce packet scale. Did you know that they have a secret fourth one that's the hottest of all? It's called Diablo. It's really hot. Chelsea stares, wide-eyed. Like, super hot. Much hotter than fire. They, they do? Diablo? I mean, but, does that mean, are you saying- Mild. I love you mild. Chelsea laughs and hits Elaine with a pillow. (laughs) Asshole. (laughs) What? What did I do? Nothing. I'll take mild. You want a fortune cookie? Isn't it ancient Chinese tradition to eat that at the end? Ah, I see your newfound confidence has come with a bonus sense of humor. How else would you like to insult my family's heritage? Oh, you know you love me. For some reason. How much? Which sauce packet? I'm guessing hot. It's going to be ketchup if you don't shut up and eat. Dayton Writers Movement presents Unwritten. Executive Producers Chris Burnside, Megan Burnside. Producers Anna Adamy, Carrie Zahn. Lead writers, Anna Adamy, Chris Burnside. Story by Anna Adamy, Chris Burnside, Amanda D., Joey Ferber, Jana Gomes, Kathy Holt, Cece Hutton, Stephen Kallenberg, Grace Poppy, Tavis Taylor. Assistant director, Megan Burnside. Sound engineer, Dan Severs. Theme song by Joey Ferber, Kelsey Mills, and Ian Mortensen. For more Unwritten, visit our website at unwrittenpodcast.com. Hey everyone, this is Jordan Lopez, voice of Chelsea Wu. I wanted to thank you all for listening and remind you to rate and review Unwritten on iTunes. Every review helps us show higher in the rankings. Be sure to follow us on Facebook or Instagram and Twitter at DWM Presents. Thank you!